to a new RFM. We're talking travel for our sponsor, Travel on King, and Beth Martin joining me, Jane Klein, today. And we're off to somewhere warm to start off with, Beth. Yeah, so today we're going to the beautiful island of Singapore. Uh, it's only about a nine-hour flight from Sydney, and once you arrive into Singapore, it's a quick 20 minutes to get to your hotel, so nice and easy to get to. If you're looking at uh, travelling to Singapore, maybe for a holiday or even for a stopover on the way back from Europe, uh, best time to go. So we've got the first uh, festival season, which is in July. We've got the Singapore Sales, the Singapore Food Festival. Well, that uh, sounds good. Yeah, <laughs> it does good indeed. Beautiful food in Singapore. Uh, or if you're preferring to go when there's nice, you know, warm weather, not too much humidity, our autumn and spring. So our autumn and spring, it's the same there. Yes. Now, when you get there, there's two different options of where you can stay. If you're a city slicker and you're wanting to really get amidst everything, our Orchard Road is the main road where there's plenty of beautiful hotels, three to five star. Uh, so there's lots of high-end shopping there and easy access uh, to everything in Singapore. So it's really easy to get around there. Yes. If you prefer maybe a market kind of local experience, then Clark Key is where they have the river markets, a lot of local food and food stalls and that kind of thing, um, if that's more your taste. We're following a theme here with food everywhere, aren't we? We seem to be, but it's just so great there. (laughs) And don't they have a lot of underground malls and things or places that you can go underground to get away from the heat if it happens to be a bit warm outside? Yes, there is. So you'll find that uh, a lot, especially along Orchard Road, there's a lot of shops that you don't really realise they're there until you go down the stairs and, you, you're, as you said, you open up to a big shopping mall, so stay out of the heat that way. Yes. So lots of options and two great areas to stay in. And uh, what sorts of things can you do on Well, Singapore is an island, but it's pretty big. It doesn't feel like an island, does it? No, it doesn't at all. There is quite a bit to do on the main island of Singapore. Uh, So they have the Singapore Zoo, which you can actually stay overnight um, and, you know, hear the animals as, you know, as you're sleeping. And they also have a jungle breakfast that you can dine with the animals in the morning as well. So nice experience for the adults and for the kids, of course. (laughs) Pass the salt. A, um, also, a definite thing that you want to go and see is uh, the top of Marina Bay Sands. So this is those th- three buildings that look like they have a boat on top. Nice. Um, they've got a rooftop pool. They've uh, got a beautiful restaurant, the Kudata. So they've got amazing cuisine there, and you get to see all of the city from the top of this tower. Fabulous view, yes. And they actually have an indoor skating rink I recently found out at uh, Marina Bay Sands as well. So if you're feeling a bit adventurous. Yes, <laughs> Another way you can also get some beautiful views of the city is on the Singapore Flyer. So this is the famous Ferris wheel that they have. It is absolutely massive. Um, So it's not too expensive to jump on that one and really see all of Singapore Mm. from there. Great view there too. Yeah. Uh, Now, if you're into your plants and things like that, they also have some beautiful botanical gardens there. Definitely walk um, worth a walk around. It's yeah, really, really beautiful there. So a good time to spend a little while. And uh, what about Play Central? Yeah, so we're hopping over to the island, off the main island of Sentosa. Really easy to get here. They have a cable car so you can travel uh, on the aerial link across to Sentosa. And they've recently um, updated their boardwalk so you can even walk to the island now. Mm-hmm. So Sentosa is pretty much a resort island. There's, you know, beautiful hotels and resorts. It's great for kids and also for all of you kids at heart. Uh, They have a Universal Studios there. 
Now, the thing I like about uh, Universal in Singapore, they actually have a limit on the amount of numbers, which means, especially for a stopover, it's nice to have a walk around and not be waiting in lines all of the time. So you get to experience all the rides and you really feel like you're there by yourself, which is a nice change. Yes, it is. Mm. Um, again, they've got an aquarium, a water park. They have a, a program called Dolphin Island where you can see all of the bottlenose dolphins and play with them and that kind of thing. Yeah. And for all of uh, all of you looking for a bit more adventure, uh, we've got some skydiving. They have a, a zip line adventure park, flying trapeze, um, and a wave pool as well. So they've got the Waterhouse Wave Pool. And the last thing they have as well is a thing called Singapore Live. This is actually an interactive theatre tour, and it lets you step back in time and experience Singapore's past, uh, all the way from a fishing village up to the powerhouse city that it is today. That would be very interesting because it's changed quite a lot in the last few decades. It definitely has. It's had a long history. What's it like to get around in Singapore? It's really quite easy. So on the main island and also Sentosa, there's plenty of um, easy for taxis and local transport and your cable cars and things like that. Um, And one last point I will note, English is actually one of the main languages there. So if you are travelling by yourself, um, it is quite easy to get around. Travel is the topic on 2NURFM. For our sponsor, Travel On King and Beth Martin. We're going off to somewhere where there are really five big reasons to go. There certainly is, Jane. So these big five that you'll find in Kenya and all throughout Africa are the African lion, elephant, the rhinoceros, the Cape buffalo and the leopard. And you'll be sure to see this on one of your beautiful game park safari drives that you can take while you're in Kenya. So there really is so many of them that it's easy to see them if you go to the game parks. Yes and no. So there, there is plenty around, but you'll find if you have a tour guide, they're very good at spotting. Um, we actually, at one point, were looking at a rhinoceros that we couldn't see, um, but our guide could see it from a very, very long way away. So you get used to it, no doubt. <laughs> yes, they've got some really good skills. Right. So here we are about to thrill ourselves with seeing the big five. Yes. Mm. So before we actually head out to the game parks in Nairobi, they have a giraffe centre. Now this is different to our zoos where there is a quite a large area so the animals are still quite comfortable in a nice big area and you get to get up close and personal and you actually get to feed the giraffes as well and one of the things I noticed was how massive they are. You sort of expect them to be the size they are in Sydney but they're much much bigger over really? in Kenya. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, another quick tip if you're in if you're into your dining, uh, they have a carnivore restaurant. So this is where you'll get all all sorts of different meats that they roast over a big charcoal peat. So starting from, you know, your beef, your pork, your chicken, um, all the way to your ostrich, crocodile and even camel if you're feeling a bit game. <laughs> so to speak. <laughs> yeah. So when you're in the restaurant, they will actually serve you off the traditional Maasai swords. This is how they serve the meat. And off they, the swords? Off the swords, They yes. must be very broad, are they? Yes, so they, it's, it's cut up meat and they just slice it on as you like and they won't stop serving you until you lower a little white flag that's perched on top of the central tray on the table. So you can eat all night or you can put up your white flag. That sounds fun. So is there lots of the Maasai culture in evidence around there? There really is. So there's quite a bit of culture in the city at the museums and things like that. Or you can actually visit the Masai Mara uh, National Reserve. So this is a a reserve, a game park, where you, again, you'll see the big five. um, But you could also have a chance to meet the Masai people. And they're a really 
interesting um, group of people. So they're fully self-sustainable. All of their houses are actually huts. They've made them from sticks and grass and they're set out in a circle and they have um, small communities of, of different tribes in that area. So another interesting thing about the Maasai people, they... Their full diet, they rely on meat, milk and blood from all the cattle. So they're fully self-sustainable from just the cattle. Um, not too many vegetables, but they, you know, they've got all the, the nutrients that they need just from the cattle. Mm. You will also see a, a jumping dance called the Adumu. Now, this is performed by the local men of the village and they will actually have a jumping competition and whoever can jump the highest is considered, you know, the, the strongest and the most, um, Respected, I suppose. Definitely, mm. yeah. Um, and it's also another little interesting thing in their culture. The the highest jumper gives them a better chance of finding a female partner. So whoever can jump the highest has got the most choice there. <laughs> and you'll find the women will also have lots of necklaces and jewellery and things like that to, to take something home with you to remember that. Oh, so the Maasai are very interesting people and very different. They live very differently from us. So that's a really good opportunity to get to know how they live. Yeah, that was the main thing, was completely blown away by the difference and how, you know, they are just as um, happy as we are and just as able to live in those uh, the huts and things like that and really enjoy a happy life. Mm. Now, they have schools as well, do they? Yes, yeah, so make sure you um, you take the chance to go and visit a school. Uh, there's plenty of options, whether you want to go to an orphanage or even just one of the local schools. You'll get to meet the kids. Um, they are pretty excited and happy to meet you. They don't have, um, in the, especially in the rural areas, things like cameras and things. So if you're taking a photo, they'll want to see the photo. And it's just really amazing for them as well as for you. Uh, a lot of people will take gifts for the kids in these schools. Just a quick tip, uh, try and take something that can be used by all the kids, so a soccer ball or a cricket bat or something like that, as opposed to a lot of people tend to take pens and pencils, but we really need to be able to share them around. So take something everyone can play with. Well, that's a good idea. Yes. Next uh, stop is Lake Nakuru. So this is a, a shallow lake right in the middle of Kenya. And you'll actually find that at any one point in, in time, you can see up to a million flamingos at once. So up in, until you get up close, it just looks like a really bright pink lake. And then you realise it's all of these beautiful flamingos. And because they are used to the tourists going to Lake Nakuru, you'll, they don't necessarily fly away, so you get to see them up close. A wonderful sight that would be. Yes, absolutely. So just a tip as well for Kenya, it is possible to travel by yourself. Um, I would recommend going on a tour. It just gives you that option to get transport around to the different lodges, and by moving around it means you, you'll get have a bigger chance of seeing different animals. Um and have you've probably heard of the tents that they have. So don't be scared off by the tents. They are absolutely luxurious. Uh, they are pretty much like a villa or a five-star suite, and the only thing tent about them is the canvas walls. So you'll have your full-sized bathtubs, the porcelain bathrooms, and the beautiful cosy beds all in these beautiful tents. So do it all in comfort. <laughs> yes, definitely. Uh, so as I said before, the... As well as a tour, the, the guides and the spotters really have some, some good skills to be able to allow you to see a lot more animals than you would if you were by yourself. Uh, June to October, this, this is their dry season, and this actually means the wildlife is easy to spot because there's less bushland. So you'll find if they see people, they're 
intention is to hide. So by going in dry season, you'll tend to see a lot more and there's a lot less mosquitoes in this season. Very good. <laughs> yes. Yeah, so speaking of mosquitoes, the the biggest prevention against mosquitoes, as simple as it sounds, is just taking your mosquito spray, so your high-strength Bushmans. Uh, a lot of people will tend to take the, the tablets, the malaria tablets, but again, the spray is going to be your best barrier. And your vaccination, so you actually need to have a yellow fever vaccination before you're allowed to enter the country. So you'll need to have that injection, also a certificate to say you've had that on arrival. Um, and visa on arrival, so there's no hassle in getting a visa before you go, so nice and easy to, to enter the country. And if you're looking at um, maybe wanting to see some newborn animals, so the main season where you'll find that they do reproduce is between November and March. So this is wet season. As I said, you might not be able to see the animals as much, but this is when all your newborns will be around. Keep that in mind when planning your trip, uh, trip to Kenya. And that's Talking Travel for today. We'll be back Talking Travel again next Friday after the 1 o'clock news on 2NURFM. Thank you, Beth Martin. Thanks so much, Jane. We do it for our sponsor, Travel on King.